Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. Caravans, campervans, motorhomes and more. It's the place to get hints, tips and impartial advice from the expert himself, Matt Sims. Brought to you by thatleisureshop.com. Join us on the journey with Motorhome Matt. Welcome to the Motorhome Matt podcast. I'm Keith Gooden. And I'm Motorhome Matt. Good to have you here. This is all brought to you with thatleisureshop.com. Good that you can be here. Since we uh, last got together, well, such a lot has happened. Uh, we've topped 70,000 downloads on the podcast, the audio podcast, which puts us in the top 5% Woo-hoo. of podcasts, and that's worldwide. Globally. Right? Yeah, yeah, globally. around Around the world. And when you think so many people can't understand a word that we're saying <laughs> that's impressive stuff so thank you very much indeed uh, for that and uh, lots of responses to the videos as well it's been good we're over a thousand subscribers on youtube which is brilliant that's growing steadily and of course we're a podcast so <laughs> we're more about the audio but it's been yeah it's been very exciting we hit the top 10 got to position number nine uh, top gear at number seven that's amazing isn't it and wheel of dealers number two was it? Yeah, when you think about Wheeler Dealers, I love that programme, and also Top Gear and Top Gear Magazine. They're global. They're worldwide brands. Mm. They're shown around the world. It's uh, yeah, not quite like Are You Being Served, but it's pretty damn good. So yeah. you're doing well there, Matt, I can tell you. Well, we're putting in all the effort we possibly can. So if you've been listening and downloading, thank you. You're making a difference. We appreciate it. Let's stop blowing sunshine up our you-know-whats and let's get on with it, (laughs) shall we? Uh, Let's go into the news. First of all, uh, the NEC show in February. You were there. I wasn't. Uh, I was back in the studio, sweeping up, making the tea. Hiding. Usual stuff. Uh, Matt was out there glamorising and uh, was deep in the world of motorhomes, caravans and camping. How did it go? It was great. Great. It was Caravan Camping and Motorhome Show at the NEC in Birmingham. It was another triumph, I would say. Um, it was it was so good to meet so many of our listeners. We had quite a big team there, a dozen of us there. The shop had several stands as well. It was just great fun. It was hard work. Everyone came back pretty exhausted. But no, it was a brilliant week. Good. And uh, how many people turned up in the end? A record number, 108,000 apparently. That's pretty good. That's yeah. over the whole week. Minus you. <laughs> And I'm worth ten at least, at least half. Certainly, when I get in a lift. <laughs> uh, let's uh, talk about a couple of things that you highlighted in some of the interviews that we've heard already from the NEC. The prices of vehicles. Yeah. I know they still keep climbing. It's just incredible. It's remarkable some of the price hikes we've seen, and yeah, they're just responding to industry pressure, I suppose. But yeah, we saw VW camper product there from EcoWagon, £131,000. And he'd sold it. In fact, he sold another eight, I think, <laughs> just after we interviewed him. Yeah, screen prices are climbing fast. Uh, and people say, when is a good time to buy a motorhome? I would say now. Uh, there's lots of stories at the moment of people being given their motorhome after ordering 18 months ago and they've gone up by 15 or 20,000 pounds since they ordered it. If you bought one, <laughs> you're likely, if you're to sell it, make some money. Is the situation the same as it was this time last year? You've got to put an order in, put your deposit down and then wait 18 months? Uh, no, it, that's true for some. Certainly it depends what you're buying. But we are seeing stock coming through. Some manufacturers have said, well, 2023 is done. It will now be a 2024 product. So it's not that they're saying, yes, you can have it this year. Oh, there's a delay. It's a case of you will get it next year and it will be a next year product. Um, So that was new uh, and that was, I guess, manufacturers being on the front foot. There are still challenges with the supply chain, certainly, but things in some areas are easing, definitely. 
Let me ask the stupid question because that's my job. Are the prices going up because dealers and manufacturers are taking more profit from us? Or is it all still to do with the war and the pandemic? Yeah, they're not. I would say no, they're not doing that. There is a perception that that's going on. If you're working on percentage margin, then okay, you know, 10, 15% of 100,000 is greater than 10, 15% of 70,000. But costs everywhere have gone up, haven't they? I mean, for a, for a manufacturer, their production costs have gone up. The electric bill to put the lights on has gone up. Everything has gone up. So I don't think it's an increase due to people taking a bigger piece of the pie. I think the whole cost of producing the pie has gone up. Okay, then uh, it says here drone. I thought that's what I did anyway. <laughs> we, we, um... <laughs> drone and moan. Yeah, stop droning, it says. <laughs> what did you get up to with your we, drone? Um, one of our team that came along and helped us on the Seago stand, we were there selling paddle boards and kayaks. They're, they're brilliant, you have to check them out. But uh, Sean is a professional drone pilot by day, and he came up and gave up a, a week of his time to help us at the show. He's a keen paddle border uh, so it was perfect to help us with that stand uh, but he we got permission for him to fly his very tiny drone around the entire show so out of hours we went in over a couple of days and he flew around the entire show it's amazing if you don't know what a drone is it's one of those little things with with the little like it's like a little helicopter with a camera on it you see them the television use them an awful lot now instead of a helicopter and you might have seen them down if you've been on the beach or something like that that's if you don't know what they are uh, a very cost effective way of filming uh, because you've got all this steady cam stuff it doesn't it, yeah. do, it doesn't well, wobble anymore does no it? that's right and he flew into motorhomes and out the windows and Did uh, he? yeah the footage is incredible it's stunning so we're we're busy pulling that together at the moment uh and uh, no doubt you'll see some of it on the internet in due course. So, yeah, stay tuned. Keep an eye on our YouTube channel. Do you own a motorhome, caravan, campervan or tent? Head to thatleisureshop.com for all your outdoor living essentials. Outdoor furniture, leisure vehicle spares, accessories and more. Visit us in-store or shop online. Thatleisureshop.com. Quote the discount code at the checkout. Motorhome Matt for £10 off when you spend just £100. ThatLeisureShop.com, proud to bring you the Motorhome Map podcast, ready for the adventure. Let's uh, dive into our subject today. We're talking about specialist motorhome insurance. Uh, a little bit uh, more about that later on. First of all, Ian Johnson has got in touch on YouTube and he says, 14 months after submitting an application to renew my C1 license at the age of 70, the DVLA have at last made a decision, but regrettably have refused on medical grounds and I'm now restricted to BE categories he goes into uh, a lot of detail uh, but basically uh, what he's asking is what can he do now well if the dvla have revoked his c1 entitlement not a lot i mean all he can do is go back to the doctor for another medical and represent his case um, and try and get that c1 back which of course you automatically lose when you turn 70 uh, which a lot of people don't realize if you pass your test after the 1st of jan 1997 you can only drive up to three and a half tons this was a european directive so you then have to take a test to have a c1 entitlement you and i old gits we passed our test got out of a mini ripped up the l plates drove a seven and a half ton lorry if we wanted to it seemed a bit ridiculous didn't it but interestingly this is going to parliament under review 
for a review. So the Department of Transport are currently putting a case together which they plan to present to Parliament and now that we are out of Europe we can have this restriction lifted. Uh, And I spoke to David Whitehead who is the Director of Technical Services at the National Caravan Council to get their take on this interesting development. Well, at the moment there is a consultation out from the government. We will be putting our views forward on that consultation as to whether we support or not support the to C1. As an industry, we probably will support the increase to C1 because that will help more people drive motor caravans. So what will you support the weight limit raise to? You, there, you, you can't change the categories that are already there. Right. So all they will do is say that if you get a B licence, we will grant a C1 licence. So you then get that category. So you pass your test and you will once again be able to drive up to 7.5 tonnes, is that what you're saying? Yeah, we'll go back to where we were pre-97 when we brought in the European Directive on Driving Licences. Like us old boys can do. Absolutely, us with the grandfather rights. Because in 1997, 1st of Jan, that's when the rule changed, wasn't it? Yeah, that's when we, we brought in the European Directive and then people were only getting a B licence. If they wanted a B plus E licence so they could tow a combination above three and a half, they had to take a test. That's already changed since we left Brexit. They've already changed that. They're now looking at the C1 entitlement. There will be people against that, without doubt. Some car manufacturers and probably van manufacturers will argue against it, but we do know the commercial operators running vans will probably support it because then it's cheaper for them to get drivers for their vehicles. Why would people be against it? Some are against it surely and simply because they don't think people that have done a standard test in a standard car should be able to drive a fan up to seven and a half tonne. They, you, no one's done any education do it no one's done any testing on it yeah well that's fair enough yeah yeah abs- absolutely we can we can understand that argument because you can get out of a mini with l plates on rip the l plates up and go and get a seven and a half ton lorry with a tail lift with a massive dynamic load in it and head off can't you if they, if they were to change the regulation as yeah, it is now course, they yeah. could yeah but pre-97 you could as well and has there been a massive reduction in crashes since 97 because the driving license changed the data doesn't show that. I've asked that question before and not managed to find an answer. There must be some data somewhere, surely. There, there is accident data all over. The trouble is, a lot of the accident data that there is, the, the groups that the DVLA and, v, and VOSA and VCA use are not in, uh, conducive with our, with our product. They don't record motor caravan accidents. They're recorded as commercial and van accidents. Right. So when a motor caravan has an accident, it either goes into the M1 category, which is a passenger car, or it goes into the N1 category, which is a commercial vehicle. There isn't a category for motor caravans within their crash data. Well, it's an interesting one to watch. What time scale are we on, David, on this? The consultation's ongoing at the moment. My understanding is it's around about May or June when they're going to come back with an answer to that consultation. And what will happen then? What will happen then? Well, they'll obviously look at all the, the comments, all the consultation. They will make a decision and then put a proposal forward to government. And if the government supports the proposal, then it has to go through Parliament and be voted on. So who is they? That will come from the Department of Transport right, originally okay. and the DTI. So they put the proposal to government to change or not? Yeah. Once they've done the consultation, they'll look at it and make a decision, as they did with the B plus E licence. That went out to consultation. They proposed that the B plus E was given automatically. Government supported it, and then it went through Parliament. What's your view as the NCC on what should be the output of this? It's difficult for us in that we would love to have more people able to drive more motor caravans, because that's the industry. But we also then have to look at the safety side. Mm. And is it a good idea that someone can take a B licence and be able to drive up to 7.5 tonne. The data we've seen since pre-97, post-97, etc., there's not a lot of difference. So 
it's you've got to make a balancing decision and we're still looking at that data to come up with a decision on that that position well i will be following it with great interest i hope they pass it (laughs) i want more people being able to get into a motorhome and actually i think raising the gross weight means people will be traveling more safely because they'll have greater payloads and less likely to be overweight yeah absolutely if the vehicle is plated at 4250 then the brakes and everything else on that vehicle is rated to 4250 yeah if they don't need to load it to the full as they're doing now then they'll be driving at a lower weight with a higher brake ratio and therefore an improved braking system yeah well it'd be interesting to see what happens won't it i'll be following it very closely as david whitehead at the national caravan council thank you david that was great and really interesting to get your take i am supporting the change Uh, maybe you've got a view maybe you don't have a c1 entitlement and you would like one um, and you'd like to be able to drive a heavier motor let us know what do you think let's go back to ian who got in touch via youtube i mentioned him just before that interview he goes on to say in his question he says well i can't drive my motorhome now because they say that that i can't have my c1 because medical reasons but he can drive a car and a caravan which is weightier than the motorhome is going to be so it's the the law does seem to be if not confused and certainly unclear a bit daft isn't it so you can drive a train weight which is greater than three and a half tons he could also drive an electrically powered van at four and a quarter tons did you know that i didn't know that so dpd drivers of an electric van as long as it's all electric the entitlement is automatically raised to 4250 but am I wrong in thinking that there might be people on the roads who think that they're doing the right thing, but actually breaking the law? Easily, yeah. I mean, many motorhomes are overweight at three and a half tonnes. Some of them come out of the factory with really tiny payloads. You know, we talked about payload at length in a previous episode, haven't we? Uh, so go and check that out. But some come out of the factory with 100 plus kilos of payload. Well, that's not you and me. Definitely not only just you. <laughs> But what should people do then? What's your piece of advice? Uh, Well, you need to understand what you weigh. So go and listen to the payload episode to get a full detail as we unpack that. But you really need to understand how much payload have you got. And more importantly, what do you weigh when you've got everything in your motorhome that you want to have on board? And it's something you need to pay attention to because if you get suddenly get hoiked off in summer onto a waybridge and they say you've broken the law, what is it, a fine? It's a fine, yeah, and the motorhome can be seized. You certainly have to empty it and have come up with a plan B. If this goes to Parliament and is passed, then you know the weight restriction will still apply. If your motorhome is three and a half tonnes, it can still only be three and a half tonnes. The difference is if it can be upplated, you could do that and you could drive it on a B licence. That's the difference. We'll keep you posted uh, on that one. Uh, specialist motorhome insurance is what we're entitling this podcast, Matt. Caravan Guard. Yeah, so they are specialists, despite the name, <laughs> they're specialist caravan and motorhome insurers. They're long established. In fact, I've had policies with them of my own in the past. Uh, and we've been asked questions many times about why do I need to consider specialist motorhome insurance? Well, it's a really, really good question. And I caught up with a team of very senior team from Caravan Guard on exactly this question. Specialist motorhome insurance provider will understand how you use your motorhome and they'll understand the kind of intricacies of a motorhome, you know, that you've got the base vehicle, you've also got a habitation area which includes gas and electric and things like that. So when you're insuring your motorhome, you want to make sure that you're covered for all kinds of risks such as fire, theft, accidental damage. So we deal with lots of common claims around damage to things like worktops, showers, shower trays and things like that. A car or van insurance policy will not kind of cover and understand 
understand um, the intricacies of a motorhome. You know, they don't understand that there are various different body types. So you've got things from an A-class to a camper van, coach built. You know, you have got your covered for your driving and also when you're on site, you may be going off grid. You've also got cover for when you're in storage and things like that. So there's really loads of benefits then to specialist insurance. So going to tesco.com, other supermarket <laughs> insurers are available. People can do it, but it's not necessarily specialist insurance, is it? No, well, they're not going to cover some of those things, you know, like we get damage to worktops from tins of beans falling out of cupboards or, you know, oven doors and things like that. So they won't cover those aspects of a motorhome, you know, in the, in the habitation area. A specialist motorhome insurance policy understands how you're using your motorhome, you know, so you're not just taking it for a drive, you know, you are actually going to be out and you're going to be using all kinds of different equipment. So, you know, you get cover, you'll get cover for things like your awnings, your barbecues, generators, solar panels, things like that. With a policy like ours, you know, specialist policy, we include up to £5,000 of personal equipment cover. So those are the things that you take on your holidays with you. You've got the peace of mind that they are covered. Obviously, you get lots of reversing mishaps and bumps and scrapes and so with a policy like ours you know you're going to have access to specialist repairers who understand how a coach built motorhomes built so um, you know they can carry out those specialist repairs when the time comes. Another policy benefit of a specialist motorhome insurance policy is breakdown cover so in the event that you do break down you want that peace of mind that when you're stuck at the side of the motorway or the road that you're going to be recovered by a truck that's going to a bit handle the weight and length of a motorhome you know so whether that's an a-class or a big american rv you know you want that um, peace of mind that you're not going to be stuck at the road and a, a small truck comes along and can't you know recover your vehicle yeah um, so with you know with a specialist policy like ours you will get that breakdown recovery mm. service now one of the things you mentioned is there is about repairing in the event of an accident it's important to note that the underwriter is a big factor in this aren't they and you guys use Royal Sun Alliance do you have another panel of lenders as well that you use is it all RSA? Royal Sun Alliance they were formerly known got roots going back about 300 years known as like one of the UK's leading insurers as Liz says they're well versed in motor and caravan insurance claims so we actually go out and speak to the, the loss adjusters and the claims team at RSA and we train them about what is a motorhome and how that differs to a standard transit van or we teach them about the intricacies as Liz mentioned like the fact they've got work tops they've, they've got basically a converted habitation area and all the different risks that are associated with that so I think it's really important that you do have a big insurer like RSA behind it but also really important to note that the policy that Caravan Guard do have is bespoke to us so we wrote the policy word in Royal and Alliance are just there to, to obviously pay out on the claims and to, to handle the claims and, and to underwrite the risk for us but we've been with them for about 20 years now working with them and I think as, as time goes by that relationship's just developed into a really efficient one and uh, one of the things that we do monitor is claim satisfaction. So every time somebody makes a claim, we, we send a survey to the to the claimant to say, how did you rate the service? And on average, I think our customers give it a mark of 9 out of 10. Um, so really happy with that. Um, the customers tend to be you know, over the moon with the claim service. They're up and running. Um, as our uh, logo says, um, we, we ask people to trust us to ensure their freedom. And ultimately, it's about getting them back on the road as quickly as possible. And hopefully, with the experts that we've got in-house and at RSA, we can get that claim moving as quickly as possible and the, the motor and repaired are replaced and, and back on the road. Well, I can vouch for that. So years yeah. ago, I had a motorhome dealership and we yeah. did repairs ourselves. Yeah. When we were 
handling a claim through RSA, the assessor was all over us as the repairer. Literally every week, Sean wanted an update on what's happening and was feeding back to, I assume, the customer. And they were, to the point I said, wow, I want to insure my motorhome with these guys. Because if that was me, I would feel very encouraged and confident that it would get sorted. And I subsequently did. So there you are. So one of the questions we had, Alex from Taunton asked us, he said, can I carry my no claims bonus over from my car to a motorhome now often that you can't do that is that right it is possible to uh, to transfer your no claims discount from a car so if you were you're going to sell your car to buy yeah. to buy a motorhome that basically is an insurance policy life and you can transfer that over to the motorhome policy however if you're keeping your vehicle like your car what we can do is we can sort of take into account your uh, driving history your no claims record on that car we can give you an introductory no claims discount which is quite sizable to be honest the discounts that you can get for no claims are, are massive so if you were transferring your no claims bonus from a, an old car insurance policy we give up to 72.5 percent discount wow. uh, whereas if you if you come into us as a new motor homeowner and you're just basically taking it's sort of almost like mirroring the no claims discount you've got on a car insurance policy so you're keeping that car uh, you've got an ex- additional vehicle in the motor and we can introduce we can give you an introductory discount of about 65 percent so quite a big discount there that, that can get you off to a good start on a low premium and I, th- I think one of the things that often mo- like new motorhome owners are surprised about is how just how low cost and a specialist insurance policy can be for a motorhome because obviously we take into, into account the fact that these vehicles are not on the road all the time like a, a standard like a commercial van or a car they're obviously limited use limited mileage and, and, and generally the people driving them are, are very careful um, yeah. so I think we often get a lot of people saying oh wow I didn't expect it to be that that, that cheap to be honest um, and there are like a vast array of discounts that we offer for careful homeowners from security to as Liz mentioned the reversing camera discount uh, to no claims discount so there's, there's loads of discounts that you can get and, it's well and do you accrue no claims then on a motorhome policy yeah. yeah of course you do yeah so if you come into us without the full no claims discount you, you obviously will start to accrue that yeah. discount year after year if you don't make a claim and can that be transferred away from a motorhome back to a car yes yeah it's a motor vehicle policy so yeah you it's basically a a motor vehicle insurance policy bonus or life that you can take to another insurance policy so yeah of course you can yeah brilliant now habitation checks are something we've just featured on the podcast and we've had reports of people being told that their insurer requires one to be done every year but this has not been your experience is is, is it a requirement for caravan guard or not jason do you want to share um, yeah, it's not a requirement with us. Um, obviously, what we say is you need to get it MOT'd like any other vehicle, but it's just your duty as a customer to keep it in a good state of repair. And if that means you get it serviced or a hab check every year, every two years, that, that's really your choice. We just say keep it in a good state of repair, look after it. And the hab check can th- pick up things like damp or perhaps other wear and tear, which isn't covered on the policy anyway. Right. So we're covering accidental damage, things like that. General wear and tear isn't covered. So it's definitely a good idea, but not something that we insist on. Brilliant. Well, maybe that's something that's coming from other companies, I don't know. But certainly there's a reason to be insured by Caravan Guard. <laughs> you don't have to have it, because not everybody does it every year, do they? You would recommend a habitation check, because as Jason says, you know, you're going to find out with a check of your gas systems and your electrical systems, but also you know, like your seams and your seals, so, you yeah. know, if there's possibility of water ingress and wear and tear is not covered by any, won't be covered by any motor insurance policy. So, you know, if you can uh, spot signs early, 
say, you know, of any damage or anything yeah. that might cause problems later on down the line, then, yeah. you know, it is really important. So and it can get very expensive very quickly yeah. as well, yeah. water ingress content. So van life has become a huge hashtag on Instagram yeah. with people going out and buying a van and getting it converted. Can I open the lid on this can of worms from an insurance perspective? Jason, I know you're primed to answer this. What does somebody need to be mindful of and aware of when they're buying a van or considering stepping out in this from an insurance perspective? Yeah, so obviously if you're buying a, a coach built in A-class or even an American A-class, that's been done for you. You know, If someone's going to convert something into a coach build that's not a main manufacturer, then really you, know, you should be looking in, in a lot of detail as to why they would be doing that. Camper vans, there are so many converters out there, literally thousands and thousands, and since COVID, more and more have, have cropped up. Yeah. So if, if you're buying a van that's already been converted, what we say is, has it been registered with the DVLA as either a van with windows or a camper van? Now, the DVLA changed their stance a few years ago, and instead of calling them camper vans, they called them van with windows. So it's still a full conversion, but that's just their terminology. So a customer shouldn't be worried or concerned if the V5 says van with windows. That's, that's absolutely fine. When we're looking to insure the units, all we say is, is it a full conversion? Has it been professionally done? And do you have all the gas certificates, the electrical certificates to show that it's been a, a full conversion? We're insurance experts. We're not, obviously, converter experts. Yeah. We have a, a, a long list of converters on our system, but probably on a weekly basis, a new one will come up and we will check it. If we've never heard of it before, we'll see has it got a website? Do they do professional conversions? Are they bespoke? Do they use what we class as standard industry parts? So does it look like the inside of a, of a, a touring caravan or a motorhome? You know, or have they used parts from someone's kitchen for example if it's standard industry parts again we're happy with that and that's what a customer should be looking for professional conversion i'd say do your research if you're looking at getting conversion done or you're buying one that's already been being converted research the company if you know who the converter is maybe get some testimonials from people who have had a conversion done by that company look at reviews and like if you're buying a car or your house or whatever you're buying have a good dig around and, and really just check out the vehicle because you're going to be spending a lot of time in your camper van or your motorhome and it is your second home isn't it so you, yeah. you want it to be right where do people get the certification from that you seek is that part of the habitation check from an mcea or ncc approved assessor is that what you refer to if you're buying a second hand or, or one that's just been converted they should give you all the paperwork right. the ins and outs of what all that is I, I'm, again, we're not the experts in the conversion. We're the experts in the insurance and saying, you know, check you've got all that for your own for your own safety, really. But really, for the owner, that's a good peace of mind anyway, isn't it, to get it independently yes. assessed. Yeah. Now, you say you're going to spend a lot of time in your van. Hopefully we do. Mm-hmm. But what about if you want to live in it? it what, what impact does that have on insurance if you want to go in, off on holiday for six months or an extended trip? Yeah, so a lot of that comes down to actual terminology of... A customer could ring us and say, I'm going to live in my, in my motor, my caravan, and, well, are you? Is that what you're actually going to do? Or are you just going to be spending a lot of time in it? And that's what we need to understand as the insurer. So as long as you actually have a house somewhere that you, you, know, you, you live in, but you've got the luxury of being able to go away for six, seven, eight months in your camper van, then that's fine with us. All we ask is that you still have a permanent home in the UK. As I say, if, if a lot of our customers are retired, 
they can go away, they can tour the UK or even abroad. And yeah, good, good luck to them if they can spend that amount of time <laughs> in, in the caravan. We just say you can do up to nine months um, staying you know, for leisure purposes in your unit and that's absolutely fine with us. Right, so nine months is key. Now we get a limit of 90 days in Europe. Do you limit how long people can go to Europe from an insurance view as well? No, again, that used to be before Brexit, up to the, the full nine months. Since Brexit, as the insurance people, we say, we'll give you that European cover. It's an optional extra, but you can have that, and it's down to you to comply with the laws of Europe for how long you could actually stay in the place. Yeah. And the breakdown cover that we have extends into Europe as well, should anything happen. And what if I want to go outside of Europe? So I'm going out of the Schengen zone to comply with the 90 days. Do I need to tell you then? There are a, no- a number of other countries that wouldn't be covered so we, we would need to know and there is a possibility that you know you, you wouldn't be actually be, um, be covered if you wanted to go further afield we had a touring caravan customer who actually went to finland over winter and well, that was fine where we, we, we covered them i think we did a little article on them as well yeah, yeah. so people do go to a few interesting places and as long as the insurer will cover those countries then we're, we're happy to provide the cover that's really helpful. And the breakdown cover is included as well within the policy, you say? It is, yep. Yeah, it's included as standard. Uh, because, again, there's, there's that peace of mind that should anything happen, as, as Liz mentioned, we know you've got a large vehicle and the, the recovery truck that's going to come is going to be able to pick you up and take you to your destination or bring you home. So what happens if I can't use my motorhome for whatever reason and I need to be accommodated? Do you pay for a hotel for me and my family while I'm away? So in the unfortunate event that you would say to have your motorhome stolen while you were on holiday or you were involved in a serious accident and your motorhome had to be recovered, um, you do have the option um, as part of the policy to add on emergency accommodation costs. So that would pay for either you know, to be put up in a hotel so you can continue on your holiday or maybe even hire a motorhome so that you can, again, continue that experience of uh, being on a motorhome holiday. Yeah. That is an add-on to a, a motorhome policy um, that is a great benefit. Which, of course, you don't have access to if it's a normal motor policy, do you? These are all specialist benefits. And, Craig, you were telling me earlier about the £5,000 claim limit if, you know, for your accessories and possessions in the van, which is, is also unique to this policy, isn't it? Yeah, it's, it's so important. I think that's probably one of the major differences between a specialist policy and a, a standard car insurance policy. On a, on a car insurance policy, you might only get up to £500 worth of cover for personal possessions that you keep in your car, but we know that motorhome owners have loads of things, you know, awnings, gas bottles, generators, pots and pans, bedding, barbecues, garden furniture, it goes on and on, doesn't it? So those things can soon add up to masses of money, and that's why we include the £5,000 worth of cover for those things. Uh, and I just don't think a, a standard car policy would would even expect, you know, anyone to have those sort of things in there. So it's so important to get a specialist policy. Uh, Jason, we were talking earlier about DVLA recognition of a camper van. Yes. So going from a van to a van with windows or an M1 motorhome. It's important to clarify that, isn't it, from an insurance point of view? Tell me more. And it comes back to the specialist policy, really. So in walking around here at the NEC, there's some lovely motorhomes and camper vans, well over £100,000, some of them. And if you're not getting a specialist policy, you could be insuring that for the wrong amount. They might not know what the vehicle actually is. So in the event of a claim, what we need to make sure is that we know you just paid £70,000, £80,000 for that unit. And that's what we're going to, you know, we're going to pay you back the market value of that unit, which at the moment the market values are really high 
um, vehicles are hauled in the value. So you want to make sure that you're not going to be out of pocket if you have, if unfortunately your unit gets stolen or it's written off, you, you want that money back to replace it. So it, it's important that, as I say, the specialist policy understands what we're insuring, we know it's a van with windows, we know it's a camper van or a motorhome, and that's what we're treating it as. We're not treating it as a van that's worth £20,000, £30,000 yeah. less. And that's the risk for the owner, isn't it? So it's about them evidencing the value of the asset, isn't it? It, it is, yes. And you know, you, you buy from a reputable dealership or a, a private sale, you're going to get a receipt. You know, and like a lot of people do, they take loads of photos of the units because they like to show when they've been on holiday, and, and that's ideal. You know, if you're coming to us, especially if the unit's not there, so if it's been stolen or it's maybe unfortunately been a fire, which is rare but does happen, then we we need some evidence of, of what it was the same with the equipment cover you know you, if you've got five thousand pounds worth of equipment then just you know keep receipts you know take photos even keep an inventory we do have customers who send in pages and pages of all the equipment they've got and that's great for us because it shows they take an interest in what they're doing they know what they've got and if anything happens it's so much easier to get yeah. the claim sorted that's really good advice to keep receipts for the accessories you buy coming to a show like this you could spend thousands really easily on stuff you can carry home couldn't you and it's all going in the van it needs to be insured so thank you that's great advice now there's a question i want to spring on you it's no surprise but i want to tow a car with my motorhome someone asked me this this morning and i said i would ask you so what is the impact on the policy from towing a car on an a-frame or a trailer so it's a tricky one, and, and I come back to the comment that we're the insurance experts. We, we aren't the experts in terms of your licence or your legal towing requirements. It's the same with a caravan. You, you keep within the weights that are allowed. So all we say is we, we will cover the trailer on, on our policy automatically, but if you are wanting to tow um, a motorbike, a car behind it, make sure you're complying with UK regulations or European if you're going abroad. As long as you're complying with the law, something happens, you're going to be covered. You're going to have the liability aspect from having towing a trailer and we're covering the trailer if anything happens to, to that. And just just stick, stick to the law, basically, is what we, yeah. the advice that we give. And obviously the vehicle on the trailer has to be insured separately, doesn't it? Yes, that's right, it does, yeah. yeah. So, Craig, even the best of us get it wrong and we get stuck in mud. It happens to me all the time. But there's a brilliant benefit in, within the breakdown policy, isn't there, which you call... What do you call it? We just call it stuck in mud cover, you know. <laughs> Simple. I, I am the marketing guy, but that's all I could come up with. So, um. Tell me more. So basically, it's just an extension of the, the motorhome cover. If you were on a campsite and it had soft ground or a, a music festival even, you know, we would actually, if you did get stuck in the mud, we would pay for someone to go and recover you from there as well. So part of the breakdown cover. Uh, another benefit of breakdown as well is, is the misfueling. Uh, un- unfortunately it does happen still you know so people putting petrol into diesel tanks and uh, so again you know if that that was to occur as part of the breakdown policy uh, we, we'd go out there and we'd sort out their, their their fuel tank and make sure they're good to go again so another great benefit of the breakdown cover and is that included in the standard policy yeah so uk breakdown is standard within our motorhome insurance policy if you want to extend breakdown to europe it's something that's a bit extra but we know that probably not everybody goes abroad so we make that an optional extra um but yeah the the standard breakdown is is included that's great because i know for a fact that breakdown services charge 
for a misfuel call-out before they've even done anything. And also, we've had customers get charged who've hired a motorhome from us and have got stuck in the mud, and they've been charged as well for getting called out by the breakdown. So, yeah, that could be hundreds of pounds per time. So, well worth having. Now, choosing an insurance company is really difficult because it's kind of intangible till you need it. But it needn't be difficult if you do your research. And researching it properly is the best advice I can give you. Liz, tell us a little bit about some of the accolades and awards that Caravan Guard have won and why uh, I think a consumer could be confident making a decision to choose Caravan Guard. Uh, there's so many to mention, Matt. I really know we've been here all day. <laughs> we can speed you up, it's fine. <laughs> Taking out an insurance policy is a bit like a leap of faith, you know, because you, you've got nothing tangible there um, to show. So we would always say, you know, like research the underwriter, you know, are they kind of, have they been in business a long time? Are they well versed in handling, you know, specialist claims? Also look on things like Trustpilot, um, you know, for customer reviews. Um, so we're very proud we've got a five star rating on Trustpilot. Um, we've also won. Um, numerous industry awards and customer service awards particularly so again um, our kind of mantra is that we you know delivering brilliant customer service um, and we're very proud of that we also as Craig mentioned earlier we measure claim satisfaction and um, so uh, customers who've made a claim with us will be surveyed and asked about their experience the speed of their claim you know how it was handled um, and so on so and um, at the moment we've got a nine out of ten scoring you know for claim satisfaction so you know do your research and um, look you know at, is it a specialist policy um, and what what do their customers say about them it's not all about the cost of the premium, is it? No, not always, no. Where can people find out more about Caravan Guard? Well, we have a website, which is caravanguard.co.uk. Um, we're also on uh, most of the social media channels, so part of my role is um, providing content, so we'll, you know, we can share some of the new model reviews and things like that, as well as uh, tips and guides for towing, motorhoming, you know, guides for accessories and things like that. We're on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook. <laughs> You're a busy lady. Yeah, um, you can call our contact centre, the numbers are on our website, and you can also get a quote online as well, or call our friendly team in Halifax, West Yorkshire. Fantastic. Well, the hints and tips and so on on your website are brilliant, I have to say. I've (laughs) sought advice there myself. So thank you very much. It's worthwhile doing. So please keep that up as well. Thank you. Great, Liz, Jason, thank you all ever so much again. It's been great to talk to you. Have a great rest of the show. So you are. That was our friends from Caravan Guard. What a lovely bunch they were. Really nice. I have to say they were quite worried about doing that. But you put them at their ease. I hope so. The consummate professional that you are. (laughs) Thank you, guys. We do really appreciate having you on the podcast. And you were great. Uh, I know that they had a beer the night before in preparation. (laughs) (laughs) They didn't sound drunk. (laughs) They weren't drunk. (laughs) No, it was great. Really useful. And hopefully, to the hundreds of you that have asked the question about motorhome caravan specialist insurance, hopefully we've clarified a few things and dispelled a few myths as well so caravan guard have said that they will help us out with the future questions on the podcast so which is brilliant so we are no doubt going to refer back to them with future questions okay thanks very much for that man and your hard work at the nec show let's dive shall we uh, into the uh, swimming pool of audience questions and answers we've had so many of you getting in touch it's fantastic to hear from you like we always say uh, when you ask us a question or record something and we'll give you the details on how you can do that in a moment uh, Try and put in where you're from because it makes uh, a lot of more sense to us uh, and perhaps we can actually make some recommendations which are close to home for you as well. First of all, Alan got in touch. Hey Matt, we're looking for an insurance company that does full or half yearly occupancy. 
let me explain. We're retiring in September and we're purchasing a motorhome, but we're looking to spend six months in a house in Spain that we have with the motorhome parked up at the house in Spain. And then the next six months will be spent in the motorhome in non-Schengen countries, including the UK, at various addresses and sites. So I guess uh, we're looking for something like a six months permanent in the motorhome. I see other motorhome uh, users that are in theirs permanently. Are there half and half type insurance policies? Also, will the insurance allow you to be out of the UK for possibly nine to 12 months per year? Then I guess the next question is, does anybody do personal travel insurance for you to be out of the country for more than three months? Alan, who sounds like he's on the run from the police. <laughs> it does. <laughs> I'm going, I'm hiding in his garage. <laughs> Nobody can track him down. I'll be in the gas locker. Talking about being in casa in España. <laughs> so, oh dear, uh, thanks so What recommendations have you got well, for Alan? I would start with Caravan Guard. I definitely recommend giving them a call and just conveying your plan, Alan, because you've obviously got a very clear idea what you're planning to do uh, i was under the impression that if you're going to full time in a motorhome there are insurers that won't insure you at all uh, and i was corrected on this by caravan guard they will they just want to know what your plans are so as for travel insurance i mean that's a different thing altogether i would just start googling and contacting a few of the big name providers and see what they'll cover you for and go and check out our european download as well on taking a trip in a motorhome to europe you can get that for free at thatledgershop.com forward slash Europe. It's a really handy checklist of what you need to pack for that trip. But I would ring Caravan Guard in the first instance and have a chat with them about your plan. Scott's in Newton Ambert. He says he's getting nerves now. Uh, they bought their first motorhome and picked it up last Saturday. 2016 Eldest Majestic 180. It looked in amazing condition and was exactly everything that they wanted. However, when they got it home, he noticed two damper areas. When he tested it with a wood moisture meter, the readings were over 30%. He called the dealer, explained it was an issue, and was told the technicians would be available the next Monday to talk to him. Uh, by the next day his wife and him were really worried and scott having just spent forty thousand pounds on this new motorhome went over it with a fine tooth comb to find another seven areas of damp readings he made his own damp report based on those to compare with the dealer's version which had stated a flat 12 percent reading everywhere even outside, he says, then sent the dealer an email and called them exercising his right to reject the purchase under the Consumer Rights Act 2015. Monday came and went, no response. The next day, which is a Tuesday, he didn't wait and called to speak to the sales director and arrange a group damp test to be completed for everyone to see the readings. After all of this, they refunded the total amount for the motorhome. He says he's sharing this for two reasons. Firstly, to warn others that even NCC dealers produce sometimes questionable certificates, so be careful. It could have been an honest mistake, Scott. Uh, he didn't question it initially. Secondly, to try and hear from others if they can ever avoid the costly issues of damp in a motorhome at all. Reading reviews online, it's scaring them off. Uh, with the minefield that could leave you five to £8,000 out of pocket to resolve... Is it a valid concern or are they just over-worrying? I'm sorry to hear that story, especially of an NCC-approved workshop. Uh, you could contact the NCC and report that to them and I'm sure they would want to know a bit more about it and try and find out what went wrong. It seems a bit suspicious to me that there was 
you know what would be a very reasonable damp report and then you know it turns out that there are seven or eight areas of of issues in the motorhome it's definitely worth checking out our habitation check episode on youtube and on the podcast where we interview the number one in the uk award-winning aws workshop bristol caravans and they talk about the different meters they use to check for damp a wood one that you would buy in a diy shop uh, is not necessarily the best type of meter to use it's a good indicator the only recommendation i can give you is if you've got any concerns and you are over worrying you may not be over worrying is to actually get an independent inspection done of the vehicle by someone you appoint that would then give you the peace of mind that the dealer has got it right people make mistakes as you say keith I'm not sure this one was purely a mistake. It seems a little bit more involved than that. But I would definitely consider if you're worried, then spend that £80 and get that independent damp check done. And any reputable dealer will happily allow that to happen, I'm sure. And they're a reputable dealer here because they obviously they refunded the, the, the whole well, amount. Yeah, I mean, they did. And that was good to hear. Uh, but it's still, nonetheless, Scott lost his probably dream motorhome that they were very, very excited to buy. And had to give it back, you know. I'm getting the money back's one thing, but you know, all those dreams and plans were dashed, weren't they? Did Scott do the right thing? I think if he had a concern, yes, I think he did. It sounds like he's handled it very well. You know, what's the right thing? I mean, you know, it's easy for these things to escalate very quickly. It doesn't sound like it has. I, there's no detail there, but I think if you're concerned, I would suggest getting an independent inspection done immediately as quickly as you can, uh, and then present the facts back to the dealer. Often, if you go back to a dealer and say, look, I found this issue, it's been missed. You know, I handed over a motorhome this morning and we'd missed a little issue that we were meant to fix. I don't know how it got missed. It got missed. We were able to rectify it very easily. It was a simple thing, but it was a human error. Um, you know, we are humans uh, and we were able to put it right very quickly. But simple things can go wrong. And who knows? It may have been a, you know, a freelance engineer doing the damp check that day. Who knows? Could have been. Could have been faulty damp meters or, or the tools they were using. There's no point us making judgments about it. You've heard the story and you've heard Matt's advice. Burke lives in Dorset. Very short question, this one compared to the others. Hi there, Matt. When is the motorhome show? The next one, as we record this, is next week in Harrogate. We'll be there. Uh, it's the Motorhome Caravan Show, organised by Warner's Publishing. Uh, and they are spattered all throughout. Is that a word, spattered? Spattered is a word, but <laughs> we don't usually use it in this context. <laughs> they are dotted throughout the year. Um, you can go to their website and check them out. Just Google Warner's Motorhome Shows. And then the next big one, the really big one, indoors, is, of course, in October at the NEC. There you go. And by the way, uh, Matt's on his world tour of those <laughs> of those shows, uh, aren't you, uh, throughout the year? It feels a bit like it. There's a whole team of us going up. Uh, we've got Andy, Mandy, Darren and Jude. Andy, Mandy, Darren and Jude? Yeah, it sounds like the cast of a children's TV show, doesn't it? <laughs> it's like Rod, Jane, Freddie and Bungle. I let you choose who's who. <laughs> But we're all there, and uh, there were a bunch of good friends. So um, come along and come out and check out some beautiful furniture from Crespo and Bow Camp. It's amazing. We will have the paddle boards and kayaks there as well. And I'm speaking at some of the events on preparing for a European motorhome adventure and Wi-Fi on the move, as well as, I think, as motorhome finance. So there's a whole bunch of topics I'm speaking at different shows. So go and check the uh, Warners Show's website for details fantastic uh, okay i think we're just about done and dusted uh, for today i did promise to let you know how you could get in touch how do people do that 
They can do that at motorhomemat.co.uk. And if you've got a question, just add forward slash ask Matt to the end and you can record it. We would love it if you did that because we love hearing your voice. And Keith says, remember to say where you're from. Incidentally, just to add, if you want to find out where the Warner shows are, you can go to showgoer.co.uk. Is that showgoer.co.uk? <laughs> it is indeed. Showgoer.co.uk. Here's some past nibs I grew. Have you seen that advert on the television? No. Uh, and by the way, you mentioned YouTube. And uh, what we've uh, been doing recently is these interviews uh, uh we've been cutting them up and around uh, for the audio podcast so as not to waste your time but if you want to deep dive into the subject the whole interviews are available on youtube they are they? yeah and there's a whole collection of them going out post the nec show in february so yeah go and check it out motorhome matt thanks for listening to the motorhome matt podcast remember to check back here for more episodes full of hints and tips and helpful advice we'll see you soon for another motorhome matt podcast brought to you with thatleisureshop.com <laughs>